I, I was going to stop that series and actually share a message this morning about children. And <clears throat> because teaching on children connects really well with entering into the kingdom of heaven. Because we read the scripture when worship started that we must, we must, we must become like little children to receive or enter into the kingdom of heaven. So there's something we must do. And then later on, Jesus says, and, and I want us to hear this. He's telling his disciples, he's not telling Pharisees, you must change in order to enter the kingdom. You're already following me, but you must change to take it to another level, to take it to a deeper level. And that change is never me working harder. It's always be, me becoming more like a child willing to trust and to be loved and to be whole in him. Okay? So I want us, I want us to look at that. It's going to be a little bit differently, a, a little bit different because I'm going to share on something that I feel like the Lord has just been showing me the last week or two that connects to this. I was reading the first Samuel chapters one, two, and three, and I've cut that part out of my message. So I had a lot of different things in, in the message I've, I've cut out so I can focus on this. So let me actually uh, move through some of that here so I don't talk on the Lord. Because Samuel was dedicated to the Lord before he was ever conceived in, in, in his mother's mind. Then he was de- dedicated to the Lord when he was born. He's dedicated to the Lord, to the service of the Lord, as he's brought to the priest and to the temple. And wouldn't it be awesome if you had that story that you were set apart and special from childhood, from before you were born, that your parents had a plan for you, connected with God's plan, connected with the kingdom of heaven's plan here on earth. And, and I was going to go along and teach you in that. And I felt like the Lord say, well, we already all have that call on our life. Each one of us be, be coming into the family. We're already set apart with a great call on our life for ministry, for ministry, for mission, for whatever it is for us to be our very vibrant self. But what happens is we get stuck a lot of times in being grownups. And I'm going to stick with uh, Matthew 19, 13, and 14. I'm sorry, Mark 10. It's in Matthew 19, but I'm going to read out of Mark 10, 13 through 16 this morning that I read at the beginning of uh, worship. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who arms, place his hands on them and bless them. And I'm going to talk about what it looks like to be a little child a little bit at the end. But I want to point out a couple things that I feel like the Lord is, is teaching me. So I'm, I'm sharing something that I'm discovering. I don't have an end all of my message, okay? Except to tell you what the little child looks like. But I looked at this. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. Those thought to be closest to Jesus thought Jesus had better things to do than to be around foolish little children. All right? And, and, and what I caught this week in prayer is that often, often we are like the disciples and we rebuke ourselves to not bring foolish little child things to the Lord. Often we stop ourselves from coming in our deepest needs to the Lord because we're like, I should be old enough now. I've been in church for X number of years. I've been through inner healing. I do this. I have this ministry. I have these things. And we stop ourselves 
from becoming before the Lord. So what we do in the very act of taking our inner child, and I'll, I'll describe that briefly in a minute, but in, 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 in taking our inner child, instead of allowing that child to come to the, to before the Lord and say, I need a hug, I need a kiss, I need a gift, I need an encouragement, I need to be parented as a 56-year-old man, we say, no, stop. God has bigger and better things to do, and it's called church, and it's called worship, and it's called preaching, and it's called prophecy, and it's called these things out here. But you, you let somebody else take care of that. But, but we become almost guardians of our own soul against our own self of us coming to the Lord. And we don't enter in alone, and we fight. We fight this childlikeness in us. And we decide that instead of receiving, that we will have to start achieving. That I'll have to start working towards something to be a good person so I then can receive or enter into the kingdom. When in reality, we are childlike before him, going to him. Not childish, I think you all get the difference. Childlike saying, I need you, I trust you, I will obey you, I will follow you, I will receive from you. If you're not giving it to me then I don't need it. If I don't have a spouse right now, I don't need a spouse right now. If I don't have a job right now, I don't need a job right now. It's a receiving childlike thing that we have. Now I heard uh, somebody said your inner child is the echo of who you once were. And, and that's why I want to leave it at that. Your inner child is the echo of, once you were, of who you once were. This, this, is, this is how the inner child can work. And I'll describe it as I go along. Because I've cut out a whole bunch of my message. So it might be a little bit mosaic. Put, pulling from different things. But inner child will sound like this. So as a child, you're abandoned by your five-year-old. You made some commitments that I will never trust a man again. So you do fine in life, you get educated, you do whatever, you have a job, you get married, and then you make a decision that you made back here, you hear an echo, I can't trust men, men will always leave me. It could be women, it could be abuse, it could be no matter what gender you were, but there's something that happens to us as a child, and we begin then to say, this is what it means about me. It means this about me, that I, am, I, I should be abandoned. I am rejectable, and everybody, my, primary, my primary relationship rejected me. Therefore, I, am, I, I should be rejected. I will be rejected. And we begin to live those things out, and that echoes out. And what we do is then we come before Jesus as, as, as a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old or a 60-year-old or a 70-year-old, like all with our knowledge, all with the stuff that we've done, all with our filthy rags. And we come to him and say, heal me in this superficial area. Don't heal me in this childhood trauma area. All right? And there's something in that, that entering into worship, entering into... Um, Meditation, entering into where you're hearing the Lord, entering into inner healing type environments or teaching is very, very productive in helping with that. But mostly we still struggle with those echoes that go along with us and those who know if you have an echo uh, from your childhood. If, if you consistently repeat the same behavior over and over with a, with a, with a, a uh, male or a female, it's the same behavior. With a boss, the same behavior. With how you are drawn towards addictive behavior, it's the same behavior. It's almost always echoes from our childhood. It's not like I decided at 30 years old that I'll cheat on my spouse. It's not like I decide at 45 year old, we, you know, 
Krish and I just had some friends that are, are, are divorcing after like almost the number of years that we've been married. There's something that echoes there that carries on and you can contain certain things for so long, but that echo always seems to come back to you. It could be that you're an underachiever. That's all, that, that, those are echoes. An overachiever, those are echoes. A person with horribly strong wall-type boundaries that are out of control to a person that has no boundaries. So we see this all the time and, and um, was sharing with somebody the other day about their spouse. And they said, whenever I, whenever I make this comment to my spouse and ask this question, it escalates to anger like crazy. It just shoots all the way up. Well, that, that's, that's an echo, not from what this couple has experienced ever in their life. All they've ever experienced financially is prosperity. It's an echo of the poverty in his mind that they're prosperous won't silence that echo. All the proof contrary that God's a good God has a tough time penetrating the echo and the commitment and the judgments we made about ourselves, about others, about God from when we're a child. And so there's a, there's a, there's a similar pattern that we almost always have. I was sharing with Angela and Ginger this morning that I, I have, um, I don't journal, I wish I did, but I, I, I always have notes wherever I hear anybody preaching. I write down notes. I, I take things. and I, I, I try to end it at the end of each year. So I have about, about this many, probably 20. And some are you know 50 pages. Some are 150 pages. Some are notes and drawings when I'm in services. And I've got them from probably, I don't know, at least 1999, 2000. So about 18 or 20 years. And I've got other things in there. Some inner healing manu- manuals. I'm in the process of labeling them by dates. But I found some letters from like 19, probably, see, Christian and I got married in 85, so probably like 87. Uh, so that's a long time ago. That's like, what, 13, who, who's, that's 30-something, over 30 years ago. And it was like weird looking at letters and saying, people used to write letters. You know, my parents lived in Orlando, and my dad would write these long letters. He had become disabled through um, some... Uh, just really bad cancer. We thought he was going to pass away. Anyways, my mom started working and he would send me like, like little brochures of, of coupons history. And, and I would write some things. I wrote some friends in Oregon where I was from, uh, some high school friends in church. And I was amazed looking 30 something years later that I'm still struggling and still have those same walls from 30 years ago. It's different though. It's different. But they're still there. And I think now they're not big, giant walls. I think they're now ruins that I stumble on every once in a while. But we have this idea that God's just going to like, everything's always going to become new on the, on, the, on the soulish or the physical part. But then we don't, allow, we don't recognize the huge, extreme growth that we're having in here. We don't have a thousand things to struggle with. Most of us have a handful, three, four, five, repeating sins repeating strong beliefs that oppose the Lord. We all, don't, we aren't, we all aren't multi-talented. We have three, four, or five things we can do really, really well that we should pursue. But this idea of this, 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 this child coming to Jesus, I think is so important. I think we would look at worship completely different. We'd look, we'd look to worship and, and we, we would enter in completely different. But most of us struggle just with singing along with songs on the board because I don't have to. There's nothing I have to do. A child would come in and they would start clapping and singing. You say, Father Abraham had many sons. You say, up, down, left, right. Kids would do it. Adults are like, no, that's not my style. I don't like that. There's a childlikeness that we have to come again to get more and more of him, more and more from him.
And it's also when, it, when we come into teaching. Most of us are pretty opposed. We're, we come in adult-like with our intellect when it comes to teaching. So therefore, anything that doesn't fit in our box that we call God's box... God, we, we think that God loves the same box we love and that God lives in the same very small box that we live in. We come in and so it's really hard to penetrate that box of religion, that box of doctrine that, that, that the Lord wants to really not expand. He wants to, to get you out of the box and live in the great big world of the kingdom that surround us. But there's something there that, 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 that hinders us. There's meant to be a childlikeness and we need to be healed in those areas. How many of you ever taken like Sozo training or Kairos at a gateway, anything like that? Josh has. Can you, if, if when you talk to, you're, you're kind of backlit, so you look like, you know, kind of like an angel. Um, have you ever taken a, a I'm just, this is rhetorical, but I'm, I'm sure Josh, I'm going to just say yes for Josh. So, but when you take a class and you begin to become aware of issues and things like that, and then you hear somebody's story and they're not, they're not, they're not, talking to you about counseling. They're not talking to you about sozo healing or healing prayer. They're just talking to you and they start telling you how much they hate their boss and how much of a jerk their boss is. Ding, ding, ding. They're like actually betraying themselves with their words of their story of how bad people are, but it's really from their hurt child. And you can almost always find rebellion. You almost always find adult issues in there. So... This idea of let the little children come unto me and anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child uh, will enter into it is, is, um, is this idea of, the, of, of approaching God as father. Is approaching God in that way of somebody who's, who's a supreme being, yes, but somebody who can provide all of our needs. Now, I've seen this in a couple different ways. Um, this idea that... Uh, that, that how much we can dis- dislike our young self, how much how much we dislike that our young self was afraid. I've met people that are I, I can feel the shame as they begin to describe why they're no longer mean like they were when they were ten years old. Uh, I, I was around this one young lady. She was in her mid twenties, and she she couldn't stand her young self. She could not stand her eight year old self. She hated her eight year old self so much. She had judged her eight year old self like her eight year old self was a different person. She was hyperactive. She was really um like uh, would just get in the middle of things and dance. She was overly friendly. She was and it kept echoing and repeating in her life. And she's never quite found the place where she's supposed to be in her, in her own soul, in her, in her own comfort of who she is. Now, most of us, and we've got a couple kids here today, how many of us would look at a five-year-old and go, you little idiot, you're never going to amount to anything. I can tell by how you're acting, you will not amount to anything. I heard from your parents what you do, and you're, you're stupid, you're lazy, you're obnoxious, you, you, know, you don't do this right, you don't have a job. You, well, the job, I guess, would be okay if a five-year-old didn't have a job. But we would not say that, but often we look back at our child and we say that about ourselves. 
We say, man, I was such an idiot when I was 12, when I started this, when I was 18, I got in trouble and I'm just, and, and we, and we judge and judge and judge and in our judgment, we attach, when you judge something, you attach a sentence to it. You attach a sentence like, um, you're going to have to be in prison now. You're going to have to be punished because of how you used to be. And I'll continue to punish you. And then we read scripture and we say, God likes it that I'm humble enough to judge and punish myself. But we are never intended to judge ourselves. Not today. Not as a child. He judges us and we're thankful for his judgment because it's always pure and right for us to be aware of. I mean, each one of us in here has uh, child stories that are traumatic. Okay, Some are abuse related. Some are neglect related. Some are uh, perverted. Some some are just, just how you felt. When a sibling came along, how you felt of how your mother or your father treated you, how you felt how a sibling treated you, how you got treated when you first entered school, how you got treated when you, your body first started changing. And they're, they're, they're damaging things that can, that, can, that can happen. And we almost all are living out of that instead of the newness of his salvation. And, 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 and we tend to live out of that and we tend to expect that that's all that we have. And there's got to be breakthrough when it comes to these things. If we want to enter into kingdom, if we want to believe that God wants to heal, to rise up healing in this land, in this land, in this region, physical healing in this land, in this region, then we have to rise up, not like, not like jazz up and energize and work up a belief of God's ability to heal, but we've got to like actually go back and, and work on that child to receive that, to believe that something much bigger than I could ever deserve could happen in and through me. That something much better can happen in my life, in my ministry. And we'll tell you how to work on them. Those are through you know, different, different things that people have done much, really, really good. I mean, the Kairos had a gateway, the Sozo. I know there's living streams. There's just, there's just different other things. And um, I've actually participated in every one of them except for living streams because living streams was started, I think, before. I mean, it was, started, it was one of the first ones. I've had theophostic prayer. It wasn't as effective as uh, Kairos. Yeah, but Kairos up at Gateway was like a, um, was Sozo and it was Living Streams. And it was theophostic prayer all wrapped together. It was one of the most monumental things for me to go through. I've had Sozo prayer. I told you, Christian, I did an art Sozo at Bethel. This last time we were there, and that, that was effective. I've, ha- I've gone to a prophetic counselor where their, their training is in hearing God and then, um, and then putting it in her fist and hitting me upside the head with it because I'm hard-headed, and that helped me a lot. So there's, these, there's, there's these areas. And the first time God showed me this about a little child, for me personally, I was actually at, down at Kilburn's on uh, Malcolmson and Grant, and I, was, I would meet a guy, and we'd just talk about my emotions. He's an older guy, mid-60s at the time, and it was always, and I'd gone through this, this uh, workshop for men that I realized that I did have emotions, that God wanted me actually to honor him with my emotions and to engage in worship and re- to like talk to me and like help me. To, to, to what were you feeling during this and that? And he would go back and we start talking. It was just a great conversations. And one day he's like, he's like, well, Les, you know, you, you, you have these things that happened to you as a child, but you don't have any like, um, connection to them, but they're shaping you how you are acting today in your forties. I'm like, 
that's interesting, but I don't have, I can't make up emotions for how I felt. So then he did something that was interesting. He just said, and Victoria was about four or five at this time. He goes, imagine that these things happened to Victoria and you found out about it. I started crying right there in the bar. How, how mean was that guy? <laughs> and, I, and I got it. I got it. And so I went home and I have a picture of me. Now, our house burnt down when I was almost five. So the only pictures we have are me about four and a half and off, onward. So I have, uh, I have two little pictures. I have a little one now. Of my, I think it's my first grade picture by my computer. But five or six years ago, I put a little picture in a frame, a four, four and a half by five, five by seven frame on my, on my wall. And I look at myself and I'm like, God, I want to be everything that everybody thought this little guy could be. I want that. I want all that freedom that I had. I want all that freedom that you ever wanted for me. And it's given me a sensitivity towards myself to drop more, more favor, to be able to receive more ministry, to be able to go to, you know, to be brought over to Scotland and to go over to minister there and to go to places where before I would have said, no, I'm not, I don't have anything to say. It, it opens things up for us. It's been financial for me also, where I've been able to say, yes, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I'll dream. Yes, I'll, I'll do that. I've got the intellectual part. I've got the process part down. I've got the good stewardship down. But I didn't, I, didn't have, I didn't connect it with the faith. I didn't connect it with the healing that was needed in order for those processes to begin to really uh, manifest something. There was um, a, young, a young man a few years ago. I was speaking to him and... and uh, it, it, t- it took about 30 minutes, but he just started getting into d- some deep stuff. I already knew some dark stuff about him, but this, this was a shocker of how much he hated himself because he was a fat kid. I mean, he, he was disgusted with himself. I mean, he's a really handsome guy now, but he doesn't like himself at all. He, was, he, he hated that he was a fat kid. He hated that he was fat up until his teens. I mean, he hated it. And he said, I wish I could go back, delete every picture off of Facebook and go back and tear up every school picture I've ever had. And, um, and, I, and my, my mind, you know, was going. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love fat you. Fat you. I'm going to love fat you. And, 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 and the Lord is telling us that. I don't care how much you hate, addicted you, mean you, lazy you, stupid you where you made bad choices. I don't care how I'm going to love you. There's nothing that's going to separate me from my love for you. And we think our, his love for us means something about us. It does secondarily. It means something about him. He, it, his love for me is not dependent upon me. His love for me is dependent upon him. And there's so much we think separates us from him, but it doesn't. Let's go back to that, how we treat ourselves and how we talk to ourselves. Now, it's amazing when you work with successful people or, or businessmen or people that have done well and everybody looks upon them. And I've been blessed to be with some of the least of these and some of the most of these over the last 25 years or so of ministry. But, but what, what you realize is that we all have an inner voice that's speaking to us. And, and a person that's struggling with addiction um, often has the same voice speaking to them as the person that's been addicted to their work and to success and looking like a good person. And, and, and the torment is almost the same, except one has, is producing something that, makes them, that hides them, and one is producing something that hides them in a different way. But it's, it's the same, it's the flip side of the same coin. And um, 
this F and we, we try to jazz ourselves up with scripture and like, like get ourselves high and then we collapse because we hear things like, you'll never get better than this. You'll never have more than this. This is your lot in life. You'll never have a better job. We don't say that when we're five years old, do we? No five-year-old has ever said, I want to be a mid-level management with a boring job that I hate. They're like, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a singer like Beyonce, and I'm also going to be a missionary. And we don't, we don't correct them until they become 12. So we have this, but, but we look in the mirror when we see ourselves, we need to be able to say truly and believe it that things will get better than this. A lot of people here, you don't deserve what you have, so you better be careful or God's going to take away the anointing that you have. You don't deserve what you have in your job or position. You're a fake, you're a fraud. So you better hope and pray that nobody finds out who you are. And you better hope and pray that you don't lose what you have. So don't give anything away. Don't risk anything. Don't hope for more. Don't pray for more. And then we're told to pray for more, but that echo from our childhood says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Everything you're going to get is going to be taken away from you. So don't even try. Don't even risk anything. A lot of people here from an echo from their past, you're not that attractive. You're not that good. You're not that smart. There's nothing through people, even when everybody's telling them how good they are at something, or even when they have success to prove. When I first got to start going over to Scotland, I'd made a commitment. You know, we had Victoria when we were 45 years old. Our son was on his way to college. Um, we got this beautiful little girl, um, and I just made a commitment. I'm not going to travel overseas. I've been to... Ecuador and, and Mexico and Canada, that'll be it. And I'd always wanted to, but I was like, I don't want to anymore. And, and within three months, somebody's like, go to Scotland with me. I got to go to Scotland and Norway and, and the UK for uh, two and a half weeks. And, and then when I got invited to go over to this church over there, my first response is, I have nothing to say. Well, why, what, why would I go over there? And, and it's a process of the Lord helping us and growing us because we're able to look in the mirror and say, I have something to offer. I don't have everything. I don't have the best of everything, but I don't need that. I just need what I have and given to him. And I need to begin to honor it. I need to begin to see myself as, as attractive and good and smart with gifts to give. And, um, and if you can hear that echo, the Lord wants to take care of that echo. And I'm not going to say he's going to take care of it when we sing this song and, and it's going to be over and things like that. But it can be an opening for you. It can be a beginning. But I also don't want to like diminish what the Lord can do in a song, in a moment of praying, of having these ladies sing over you this morning. And um, so, you know, a little child easily accepts forgiveness. If you ever hear yourself, I'm not worthy to be forgiven or something like that, then you know you're, you're acting out of pride and not out of childlike behavior. Here, here's, here's, here, here it is. I work for my house. I struggle for my house and my finances. What does my daughter do? She lives in my house. She never once says, Dad, do you think we're going to make the bills this week? She lives in my house. I, what, I, what do I say to my daughter? Here's my food. Eat it. She's like, okay. And she even says, I want different food than that. Right? That's what little children do. Yes, I want the talent you've given me, but God, I want more. Instead of, oh, I'm not worthy, that's what an adult says. I'm not worthy, I don't want to ruin it, you gave me this little bit. I think I'll go bury it in the yard so I can give it back to you because I know you're a mean master. But a little child says, woohoo, oops, I spilt it, can I have more? Hey, you know what, I got something on the new, the new couch, 
I'm ashamed. I turn the cushion over as an adult. A kid's like, doesn't even tell you because they're not even concerned about your couch because they know you have a heaven full of couches. Something like that. That's probably not in the scriptures, but it's there. Kids, you say, here's, here's nice clothes. Here's an air conditioning. Here's vacation. They're like, yes, yes, yes. Hopefully they say thank you. But we're little kids and God's saying, I have clothes, I have air conditioning, I have provision, I have protection, I have grace, I have an abundance for you. And our job is to say yes to expect it. And I don't mean in the Mercedes sort of way. I mean in, in, in the right sort of way of the things that God has determined that will make you wealthy. And for me, wealthy has always been my family. It's been my health. It's been uh, ministry. It's been friendship. And uh, so, and, and, I, and, I, and I, I unashamedly say, and I hope every one of you says, I want more. I, I, and, and because that's what a kid does. I haven't met a child once that walked into the store and you said, here's, you know, those little, you know, those 10 cent popsicles. You can buy like 144 for like a dollar or two and you freeze them. You have to cut the top off. They're just all sugar. And, and you know what? Yeah. What are they called? Otter pops, you get those, but, but you know, every kid in there, they look in there, they want those, but then after a while, they're like, I want the fruit juice one. I want the, the one with chocolate on it. And that's who we should be. We're, 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 our, our healed up self is, I want more from God. God, there's promises in scripture. I want that more. And so how do we act like children? I'm gonna give you five ways to act like children. If the girls can come up, ladies can come up here and Craig, come up here and we'll, we'll go into this song. So this is this is what a child this is what a child uh, how a child acts a child trusts a child obeys a child's quick to forgive and be forgiven a child laughs if they cry then they immediately start laughing while they're crying or they're laughing they immediately start crying their emotions are there that's what we do as children our emotions are there and as we, as we express those we trust him and he heals us in those areas. And um, so there's trust, obey, quick to forgive, lots of laughter and crying, easy access to emotions that because we present them to him, they become healthier and healthier. So today as an adult in here with an inner child, that echo, I want you to just ask the Lord and be open to him showing you if you've judged your inner child. There's two things when we judge an inner child usually is we, we make a decision and we decide I'm going to now hide my true self forever and ever and ever in the corner so nobody notices me. Or we decide I'm going to like become something different and I'm going to become a perversion who God created me to be. That could be a controlling, mean person. That can be a super icky, nice person that doesn't want to make any mistakes ever. So there's a hiding in the corner, so nobody sees you, and there's a hiding in plain sight that happens. And I want you to ask, ask the Lord as, as we're singing this song what, uh, what he has to say about you. So just get in a restful place and close your eyes. I don't mean lay down or anything, but just close. That you want to speak to us. I want you to guide us. That you want to bring healing to us. And we trust you that we can hear your voice.